And a very warm welcome to Monday's programme. Hope you had a nice weekend. It's me, the BBG, with you till 7 o'clock. Thanks for joining me. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Welcome, welcome. John Waters, the Irish journalist, author and campaigner, activist you might say, joins the programme this hour for an extended conversation. He's got some very interesting news and uh, after we hear that, John and I will run down some of the latest COVID nonsense and maybe one or two other things as well. Lovely to have them back on the programme. It is the 29th of November 2021. You can comment on the programme via richieallen.co.uk. I think you know that now, but I'll keep telling you. Anyhow, top of the page menu bar, comment live, drop me a message. I'll read them out as we go along. You might have something interesting to say to John Walters. You might have a question, you might have a comment. We'll get through them. This, I promise you. I promise you this. All right. Yes, good weekend. Yeah, good. Good, yeah. Cold, very, very cold. Brass, monkeys. But I believe it's begun to rain and it's going to get a bit milder in the Republic of Ireland and in the UK. Excuse me, you didn't need that, did you? It's going to get a bit milder overnight and for the next few days. That's good. Snow in November. We had snow. Snow. Snow joke. COVID booster jabs should be offered to all over 18s to help stop a potential wave driven by the new variant of COVID they have dubbed Omicron or Omicron. Omicron. Says who? Says the JCVI, the Joint, Commis- the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation. That is the response to the new variant. Let's get the booster jabs into people's arms quicker than we had planned because of this new variant. All right? That's the big story this afternoon. Surprise, surprise, you might think, but I'm not going to play that sting. I've played it to death. So the gap between second dose and booster should be reduced to three months. This advice given to all health ministers in the UK, England, Scotland, Wales and Nornarn. Children aged 12 to 15 should also be invited for a second dose three months after their first. Now this was announced at a press conference this afternoon with uh, Wei Shen Lim, the top man at the JCVI, June Rain, the Chief Executive of the Medicines and Healthcare Regulatory Authority, and the insufferable gobshite known as Jonathan Van Tam. He is England's Deputy Chief Medical Officer. I'll bring you a little bit of that shortly. But first, let's hear the Health Secretary, Sajid Javid. A short time ago, he took to his feet in Westminster to explain the reasons for reintroducing mask wearing in shops and public transport. This becomes mandatory again tomorrow morning at four o'clock in the morning, 4am, right? We, we learned this on Saturday afternoon last, a couple of days ago. So Javid was laying out the reasons for this when he got around to talking about the Omicron variant. Feast your ears 
on this horse manure. I can update the House that there have now been five confirmed cases in England and also six confirmed cases in Scotland, and we expect cases to rise over the coming days. The new variant has also been spreading across the world. Confirmed cases have been reported in many countries, including Austria, Belgium, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands and Portugal. In this race between the vaccines and the virus, the new variant may have given the virus extra legs. Extra legs. Extra legs. Should have called it the Daddy Long Legs variant or the Centipede or the Millipede variant or the Peter Crouch variant, maybe. Daddy Long Legs variant was my idea. He said it gets around, round, 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 it gets around, it gets around. The new Omicron or Omicron variant is getting around. Sajid Javid, here's more. We've delivered more booster doses than anywhere else in Europe. And we've given top-up jabs to over one in three people over the age of 18 across the United Kingdom. But it's never enough. I'd like to take this opportunity to pay tribute to the NHS, the volunteers, the armed forces and everyone else that has been involved in this life-saving work. Life-saving. Our vaccines remain our best line of defence against this virus. So hurry up and have it. In whatever form it attacks us. In whatever form it attacks us. You're listening to the language here. In whatever form it attacks us. The jabs are our best defence. Against this virus. In whatever form it attacks us. It attacks us. There's a lot we don't know about how our vaccine responds to this new variant. But? But although it's possible that they may be less effective, it's highly unlikely they will have no effectiveness at all against serious disease. So it's really important that we get as many jabs in arms as possible. Over the next few weeks, we were already planning to do six million booster jabs in England alone. But? But against this backdrop of this new variant, we want to go further and faster. Further and faster. Despite the fact that the jabs don't work, they don't stop you getting COVID, they don't stop you passing it on, and they are killing people. Footballers, basketball players, athletes are collapsing like a house of cards built by an epileptic. Aren't they? Athletes around the world, I'm not exaggerating, are collapsing. Nothing to see here, please disperse. Don't speak about it. Yeah. Don't work, don't stop you getting COVID, don't stop you passing, passing it on. They're killing people, they're causing footballers and other athletes to collapse, but we're going to go further and faster. What a mad little bastard. With this new variant on the offensive. The, the new variant is on the offensive. You're listening to the language here. With this new variant on the offensive. <laughs> these measures will protect more people more quickly and make us better protected as a nation. As a nation. It represents a huge step up for our vaccination programme, almost doubling the number of people who will be able to get a booster dose to protect themselves and their loved ones. Yeah, so it's kind of handy that this variant came along, really, isn't it? Not that I'm suspicious now. It's really handy when you were totally vexed about the fact that several million people in the country have refused to take one of these poison jabs, me included, Vexed, you were raging. I heard you raging. I heard you talking about mandating the jabs, not just for the social care workers, God love them, and the NHS workers, but you want to mandate it for everybody. 
Isn't it handy now that a brand new deadly variant that might escape the vaccines has come along and you're developing new vaccines? It's all very handy, but, but maybe, I'm just, maybe I'm just suspicious. And I know that we are asking more from NHS colleagues who've already given us so much throughout this crisis, but I know that they will be up to the task. The NHS will be calling people forward at the appropriate time so that those who are most vulnerable will be prioritised. And I'll be setting out more details of how we are putting this advice into action in the coming days. Mr Speaker, our fight against this virus is a global effort. This is interesting now. It's not that you don't know this, but for new listeners, listen. Global effort, right? Global effort. Listen to this. It's important that you understand where this is going. The replacement of national governance by supranational entities. I'm a journalist. You look up supranational if you don't understand it. I know you do. I'm winding you up. That's what it's all about. The replacement of national governance by supranational entities. Listen to this. It's all here. And so I'd like to update the House on the part that the UK is playing. We currently hold the presidency of the G7. And earlier today, I convened an urgent meeting of G7 health ministers to coordinate the international response. To coordinate the international response. The G7 and the World Health Organization taking responsibility for the global response. It can't be left up to individual governments and individual health services within nations. No. Be an international response to this and to everything, including climate change. This is what Richard Haas from the Council on Foreign Relations calls World Order 2.0. I've played the clip too many times, although not recently, to play it again. World Order 2.0. What did Richard, Richard Haas say? The Council on Foreign Relations is very important. It's a think tank. It tells governments what to do. It's a roundtable organisation. It's a Rockefeller organisation. What it does is it basically strategizes the response to everything and tells governments around the world this is what you've got to do. Because Boris Johnson isn't capable of... You wouldn't put him in charge of a sweet shop, right? Muppet, right? He's not running anything. Never has done, never will do. And Richard Haas said only three, four years ago, I used to play the clip all the time, countries cannot be allowed to allow things go on within its national boundaries that have an impact on the rest of the world. Whether that be pandemics, he did say pandemics, or climate change or other such things. This is where it's all going. The Great Reset. We were unanimous in our praise for the... Of course you were unanimous. ...for the leadership shown by South Africa, who were so open and transparent... About he goes on to praise South Africa for being so quick to fess up about the Omicron variant. Last little bit from Sajid Javid, the walking, talking Heinz Bean. Mr Speaker, our experience of fighting this virus has shown us that it's best to act decisively and swiftly when we see a potential threat, which is why we're building our defences and putting these measures in place without delay. Building our defences. Scientists are working at speed at home and abroad to determine whether this variant is more dangerous. And I can assure the House that if it emerges that this variant is no more dangerous than the Delta variant, then we won't keep measures in place for a day longer than necessary. Bullshit. COVID-19 is not going away. Well, it, it went away a long time ago. 
What is it with people and their very short memories? University College London published a paper. It was peer-reviewed. It was written about in the Times and the Telegraph to say that the UK reached herd immunity probably back in March or April of this year, maybe even earlier. There is no COVID now. There isn't anybody sick. There are nobody in hospital. Do you know what I found very interesting? I didn't grab the clip. But a doctor told BBC Radio 4 this morning that, yet again, yet again, there's, there's a real absence of flu. But of course there isn't. There are old people going to hospital right now with the flu. But they're calling it COVID. They're, they're drying out that old, that old uh, manure again. This, this, you know, no flu this season. They're, they're, they're running with that bullshit again this year. No flu, they're saying. Already they're saying that. And so we'll have to keep seeing new variants emerge. We'll have to keep seeing new variants emerge, he says. We'll have to keep seeing new variants emerge. There is no end to this. And so we'll have to keep seeing new variants emerge. And each time one emerges, there will be a tweak in the existing mRNA jab to make it a slightly new mRNA jab, and it will be offered to people. So if we want to live with the virus for the long term, we must follow the evidence and act in a proportionate and responsible way if a variant has the potential to thwart our progress. And there'll be plenty of variants. I won't subject you to any more of that idiot, that scumbag, that currently occupies the office of the Health Secretary of the United Kingdom. Scum. I'm I'm, I'm channeling my inner Angela Rayner now. Scum. They're all scum. Scum, every one of them. Right. Mad K. Burley. The Mad K. The K. Burley. The Ginger Ninja. Was finishing up, was finishing up even, an interview this morning with former Prime Minister Gordon Brown. When some bombshell information came to her via her smartphone. It's a shame this is radio. Only for this moment. Because she's on her phone. As she's coming out of her interview with Gordon Brown. She gets some bombshell info about the Omicron variant. Or Omicron variant. Let's have a listen to Matt Kay. Dave, Mr Brown, thank you. Thank you, Kay. Thank you, Kay. Thank you. So that's interesting, isn't it, from the Deputy uh, First Minister of Scotland saying no travel history in some of the cases of the Omicron variant that have just been identified in Scotland. That would suggest that they didn't get it from South Africa, so that would suggest that potentially um, its origin was from somewhere else. We'll find out from the experts, I'm sure, in the coming days. Meantime, talks between world... Meantime, nothing, Kay. What was that again? That's important, I think. ...saying no travel history in some of the cases of the Omicron variant that have just been identified in Scotland. That would suggest that they didn't get it from South Africa, so that would suggest that potentially um, its origin was from somewhere else. We'll find out from the experts, I'm sure. (laughs) We'll find out from the experts, I'm sure. Well, some of these Omicron people who tested positive, they've been nowhere near South Africa... And they've been nowhere near anybody else who's been anywhere near South Africa either. I wonder what's going on. She's not the quickest bunny in the forest, Kay Burley. God love her. Let's ask the experts. Just use your fucking brain, love. How about that? Although the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor there, I don't imagine. Penny nearly drops just for a second. Maybe it's bullshit, Kay. Maybe the Omicron variant doesn't exist. Maybe the fact that Omicron is an anagram of moronic, maybe that actually means something. You know, maybe it actually means something, Kay. Fabulous. It's all good. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, it's uh, 16 minutes past five. You're with the BBG, me, 
Jonathan Van Tam, England's Deputy Chief Medical Officer, fuckwit, chaired the press conference this afternoon about speeding up the booster jags and the booster jabs. He was sat with Wei Shen Lim, who is the Chief Executive, is he? of the Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation, and he was with the MHRA's June Reign. Listen to this, dear listener, and you ask yourself if you could sit there in the press pack and not throw darts at his stupid fucking head. Listen to this. This beats everything I've ever brought you. In the thousands of monologues I've done, listen to Van Tam. And I think the three key themes we've heard in relation to Omicron and the JCV advice are uncertainty, concern and timing. An opportunity now to get the timing right. Um, JCVI has today announced renewed urgency and further expansion of the UK booster programme. We don't know what's going to happen next. As I explained to you, the next three weeks are going to be weeks of scientific uncertainty. <laughs> but whilst we wait for the mist to clear on what this concerning variant actually means, there is no time to delay. It's our opportunity to get ahead and vaccine boosting. Yeah. I mean, this, is, this gets a lot worse now, by the way. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. The mists will have to clear before we understand about this new variant and what it might do. We haven't got a fucking clue, but in the meantime, we want you to take all the boosters we give you. But hang on a second there, Penfold. Penfold, hang on. You just said you haven't a scooby-doo about this variant. And so did, the, so, so did the oriental dude, the other oriental dude, sitting next to you. So why would you be saying to people then, oh, listen, take all of these boosters now. Anyway, wait till you hear how bizarre this gets. Is the thing we can do most easily whilst we wait for that science mist to clear. Science mist to clear. Let's wait for the science mist to clear so that we understand what we're dealing with. In the meantime, have your boosters. So to me, and as you know, I love football. He loves football. He's a Boston United fan. There's a contradiction in terms there. Boston are as bad as Manchester United, so he doesn't love football. Um, we started with 11 players in the team. Just listen to this horseshit now. I don't know how anybody in the press pack could sit there and listen to this today without bottling him. I mean it. I mean, I mean it. I mean losing it and throttling, bottling or booting him in the bollocks. Listen to this. Um, we started with 11 players in the team with the Wuhan vaccine and you could say that we've kind of picked up a couple of injuries when Alpha came along and then Delta came along, uh, those variants that are slightly different from the Wuhan uh, original strain. And um, we've had to use our subs off the bench to keep us in the game, but we're well in the game. And you can see that with the current epidemiology in relation to Delta, that the vaccines are holding up very well and largely keeping us out of trouble. Now, Omicron, is like now picking up a couple of yellow cards to key players on top. Jesus, Mary and Holy Saint Joseph. We may be okay, but we're kind of starting to feel at risk that we might go down to 10, 10 players. And if that happens, or if that's 
a risk that it's going to happen, then we need everyone on the pitch to up their game in the meantime. And that's really upping your game in terms of boosters and in terms of antibody responses. We're not going to wait for the red card to happen. We're going to act decisively now. And we're asking everyone to up their game. Um, we're asking everyone to play their part in the urgency now of the booster programme coming forward the moment you are called by the NHS. It's really, frankly, never been more vital that, uh, uh, that the booster campaign has never been more vital than at this point in time. Thank you. Right. You, you got all that, didn't you? What does he do then? He says thank you and he throws it immediately to the press. Surely the first journalist he points at laughs him out of town, right? You'd have thought so, right? Thank you. Uh, I'm now going to open for questions and the first question is from Jim Reid at the BBC. Thanks very much indeed. This sounds like quite a significant or a very significant extension of the booster programme. Can you tell us how confident you are that the NHS can deliver all these doses before Christmas or are there going to be people that are just going to struggle to get these appointments before that festive oh break? Oh my God, Jesus Jones, Jesus Jones. He's not an international bright young thing, is he, Jim Reid? Jim, I hope your urine turns to crystals and cuts your fucking willy to ribbons. You disgrace. What a bastard. Next up, Emily from ITV. Emily, Jim, is a semen stain on a travel lodge mattress. Surely you can do better. Emily Morgan from ITV. Um, Go on, Emily, all that football stuff, take them apart. You just ask people not to panic, but you're reducing the gap between the second dose and the booster from oh, five God. months to three months. Isn't that a sign oh my that God. you yourself are extremely worried about this variant and people will naturally panic? Holy God. So I'm going to... That was Emily's question and it didn't get any better. Some bloke from the BBC then stood up and he didn't go after him on all that football stuff and Omicron being two yellow cards and we, we might get a red card. No, no, they just left him off with, with all of that. Isn't it wonderful what they've done to my profession that I'm so proud of, that I used to be so proud of. Anyway, this is what's going to happen now. They're going to put, between now and the spring, they are going to bring an inordinate amount of pressure to bear on those of us who have told them to get stuffed when they've contacted us about these jabs they're really going to ramp up that pressure. Um, in three weeks' time, they're not going to stop the masks and shops and on public transport. They're going to introduce even more restrictions. This time last year, they said we, they, we're looking okay. They said we don't want to introduce restrictions for Christmas. They went and did it anyway. They're going to blame pressure on the NHS this Christmas, even though that has got nothing to do with COVID-19. Nothing. It's to do with decades of, of cutting and cutbacks at the NHS, which has reduced it to basically being an institution that is completely not fit for purpose. But that's what they're going to do. I'm warning you now. Not that I imagine we're on different pages here. I'm pretty sure you get it, just as I do. This is where it's all going. And they're rushing 
three different companies are rushing to make a vaccine for the Omicron variant, even though, dear listener, even though the doctor who discovered it has come out and said she doesn't understand what all the hype is about. If you haven't read the story, go to my website, richieallen.co.uk. I'm speaking of Dr. Angelique Coetzee. She's South African. She's credited, and another person, with discovering the Omicron COVID variant. She said the patients she's seen have very mild symptoms, recovered, nobody went to hospital, no oxygen was needed. She said the hype makes no sense at all. No sense whatsoever. It's exactly 24 and a half minutes past five o'clock. John Waters, the Irish journalist and author, author even, Richie, will be with us in a few minutes' time. And you don't want to miss him. He's a great guy, is John. Lots to talk about with him. This is your Richie Allen Show, which is live from BBG Towers here in Salford. With me, your BBG, this is the most listened to independent news radio show on planet Earth. Which is round. It's a big roundy ball. CeeLo Green with Bright Lights, Big City or Bigger City. I can't remember which it is. Does it matter now? Bright Lights, Bigger City, CeeLo Green on the Richie Allen Show, 28 and a half minutes past five o'clock for Monday's programme, the 29th of November 2021. Just before I bring in John Waters, I should read one or two of your comments, shouldn't I, as I ask you for them. Uh, Joan has been in touch to ask about Jack Dorsey resigning from Twitter. (coughs) Excuse me, why, asks Joan, is something big going to happen? I don't know, but I saw that trending earlier this afternoon Joan yeah I have no idea what's going on there maybe there'll be an announcement from the guy if there hasn't been one already maybe Benny says Omicron is an anagram of moronic Benny hello hello think Benny think I've only been saying that for the last few days maybe you didn't hear me welcome to the program Benny Rob says if Van Tam loves yellow cards so much there's one the government, there's one on the government website he should look at. That's a brilliant comment, Rob. Indeed there is. Absolutely. Hi to Brian, who says, Richie, round me bollocks. Ha ha. All right, Brian. Hi to David Keane, who says, it isn't a ball. It is. It is. It's a biscuit. It's a bar. It's a biscuit. It's round. The world is round. I saw it myself. I went up in one of them Elon Musk spaceships at the weekend. I just didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want you thinking I had so much money. We went up to 67,000 feet. I had a look at it. It's round. it's round. We came back down. That's the end of that. Rob says, Jeremy Vine and James Whale have had bad reactions to their booster. Have they? Really? Uh, James Whale allegedly said he felt he was going to die. And then he went back to shouting at anti-vaxxers. <laughs> that makes sense. Let's get John Waters on the programme. He is uh, a renowned Irish journalist and author, and broadcaster. He's a top guy. He's been coming on the programme now uh, since the outset of all of this madness last year, and I'm glad to have him. Uh, To read him, I recommend strongly that you go to johnwaters.substack.com. That is johnwaters.substack.com, and you'll see what I mean if you haven't done that before. John reached out to me over the weekend. I'm glad he did, uh, because um, he's got some news. Now, you might remember 
that John and his colleague and friend Gemma O'Doherty, another journalist, another good, very good journalist in Ireland, um, they they attempted to to take on the legality of lockdown in the Irish courts valiantly, I would say. Now, it didn't go according to plan, but there's been some news. Delighted to welcome back John Waters to the programme. John, Diagwit, welcome back, my friend. How are you? Good Richie, how are you? I'm good. Hanging on in there. I'm going to play you some audio in a few minutes that's not to do with what we're talking about. It'll blow your bloody mind. It'll make you laugh. But um, no, I mean, I am good. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised on Saturday afternoon to get your message. Look, we've been around long enough, you and I. You take, I suppose you take every little victory you can, but you've you got to kind of stay level-headed as well and realise yeah. what you're up against. But tell us what's happened. Well, uh, we had uh, we went to the High Court in May, April, May, uh, twenty twenty, and we were rebuffed there, and we appealed that to the Court of Appeal, which is the next level up, and that was in January this year, and we were knocked back again. I mean, those were, I would say, you know, uh, two political courts. We ran into two, we went into two political courts and got political responses. Uh, if we were looking for a judicial review in other words so you have to apply for leave first of all and then if you get it you have a full hearing and there was all kinds of stuff and of course the media were all uh, lined up to pick up any critical line in the in the judgment about us but not report a single word of our actual submissions or evidence or anything like that but we applied then to the Supreme Court and uh, they have an odd system. I mean, they, they, they don't give you a hearing straight away. They, they appoint a panel of their number and three, three judges, and they assess your application. Now, it's interesting because both previous courts said we had made no case at all. And the Supreme Court, the highest court of the land, came back with a, a determination, as they call it, last week in saying that we had made a case and that uh, we, they will give us a full hearing uh, next year. That's brilliant, uh, John. Why? Why do you think that is? It's a very interesting question. I mean, you know, it, it, there's been a number of changes on the on the Supreme Court, which uh, and there's one particular judge who came in from from Europe. He, he he's an Irish judge, but he's gone. He's been out there for a good few years in one of the European courts. And Gerard uh, uh, Hogan is his name. He's written a lot of the textbooks in Ireland uh, in recent times, and uh, brilliant stuff. He's a really good judge, and I've always felt, uh, you, you see, Richie, that. These courts are very interesting. At a lower level, it seems you can make any, you can issue any kind of a clown judgment, and it doesn't seem to go against you uh, in your career. Maybe on the contrary, if it's the right kind of uh, clown judgment. But once you get to the highest level, these guys have their their reputations and their credibility hanging on every judgment. Like they have to actually issue judgments that make sense, that are in accordance with the evidence. And I think that. Things are, are turning, I won't say they're turning, that's the wrong word. These things are moving on. This whole situation is moving on in a very explosive way now. I think anybody involved in this on the other side, on the state sides, on the state side of the states, the media, uh, uh, you know, the health uh, uh, bodies, uh, big pharma, well, I don't think big pharma are worried about anything, but I, 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 they don't seem to have any consciences. But I think anybody with the remotest conscience must be getting very concerned now with the kind of things that are filtering out, despite the very best attempts of the of the mainstream media to cover them up. So I think that it's it's a change of wind. Uh, you know, that's I think I think they basically looked at our thing and said, well, look, this this application actually is quite solid for what it was. 
uh, uh, when it was, the timing. So what's the problem here? Something like that. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm just kind of guessing, really, Richie. But I, I, I kind of did predict it in a certain sense before on a, on a, on a stream with Gemma just a week before on the basis of the, that judge and also the, the, the new, there's a new chief justice. Uh, uh, Donald O'Donnell is his name, and, and I've been involved with him before in a case that I was a witness in back nearly a decade ago, which was about another it was about a referendum, and the, the court found in favour of my side, and he was very, very good. His judgment was absolutely brilliant. I always kind of thought, so I think it's actually a mixture of good judges, the moment, uh, and, you know, the fact that actually our... our um, Although our, our submissions were dismissed by the media, who never read them or never reported a line and, and rubbished, they were actually very solid. This is great news, really. And, and I'm thinking, while you were speaking there about these judges, it also occurred to me that the justices themselves will have, will, will be suffering this nonsense. Mm. They will be feeling the oppression of it. They will be missing doing the things that they used to do. They will also have nieces, nephews, sons, and daughters, they can't all be in on it. So it stands to reason that, you know, some of them are like, we've had enough of this too. Maybe there's some of that in there, maybe. I, I think that's right, Richie. I mean, you, you, that's something you often forget about judges, that they're so aloof that you don't think of them as being like the rest of us at all. But in fact, they are. In fact, it was very interesting. I was watching a video recently featuring Lord Sumption, who took a very strong stance over there in the UK. Uh, and he, at one point, he said uh, in the, to, he says, you know, he was answering some question. He says, and he kind of paused and said, well, you know, he says, you know, judges want to be loved too. And, and I mean, that can yeah. be a, a defect in a judge too, to be too much anxious to be loved. But, you know, yeah, I mean, like the kind of things that are happening to all of us, you know, kids being put off uh, basketball teams because they're not vaccinated. Or, you know, I heard a terrible story today about a, a lad who was the last in his class you know, to be not to be vaccinated, and you know uh, the pressure that he came under from the parents of his friends, like that kind of thing must be happening to judges as well. And I think that actually, you know, they're, like their their job is to look at evidence and assess it. You know, and I mean, I know we're in a mass hypnotic, mass formation climate, but nevertheless, there is there are alternative. Uh, um, channels out there, and I mean, I, I think any judge in Ireland would have to be looking and listening carefully to Lord Sumption, who has made a lot of sense about this from the very beginning. So I don't know. You, you just don't know, Richie. I mean, I'm off, I'm completely optimistic in, in a sense, and yet guarded, you know. Yeah. And uh, But looking forward, to, we're working hard on, the, on the, the submissions now, and we have to have them in. Actually, the first tranche has to be in uh, in a couple of weeks. There's a lot of different stages to the process, but we have to have the first draft of our, our submissions in, or whatever I would call it. So we're working hard on that. I was going to and ask you the timeline. I was also going to ask you about money. Is this going to cost you a lot of money, Gemma and yourself? Well, the, the timeline is 15 weeks before. I don't know what, there's no date as such, but it'll be sometime in the spring or early summer. As regards the money, Richie, I'll give you the answer I've, we've given to everybody. We have not considered money at all for this very simple reason, that our, our entire uh, way of life, our country, our, our people, everything we have, everything we are, everything we have known is under existential threat. So whatever this costs, we'll sort it out one way or another. But we're not thinking about money. We're not allowing money to enter in in a way that would actually make us curtail our, 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 our ambitions or our activities or our actions.
The, the reason I asked, I, I, I love your answer, but the reason I asked was I know that if it came to it and if you needed a, a boost, well, I'd certainly be happy. I, I'm not I'm not flush, but I'd be happy to throw a few bob your way. And I'm sure many of our listeners would be. That's the reason I asked. Well, we haven't. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Richie. And I appreciate that. Uh, we haven't asked and we have no immediate plans to ask. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, uh, what happened in the lower courts, quite, quite frankly, was absolutely wrong. Yeah. And therefore, I mean, we would have serious, you know, uh, uh, qualms about paying money to a system that had deliberately uh, uh, obfuscated and filibustered and, and actually presented us. Because here we are now with a situation having two courts having told us that we had no case. The highest court in the land is telling us, yes, we do have a case. You know, they, they give us a bit of a kicking, uh, Richie, in the in the uh, determination in, by repeating some of the things that the lower court said. But the bottom line always is, yes, they do have a case. So I don't mind that. I mean, that could be all for show as well. You know, uh, 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 like not wanting to kick the lower courts in public, fine. I have no problem with that. Comedy, of course, I think it's called, uh, you know. But uh, I, 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 the costs are not concerning us. That might sound mad, and in a certain sense it is mad, but these are mad times, Richie. I mean, the reality of it is another point, like, you and I, and this is a terrifying thought for people to think about, but given what we know about the economic system and what they've been doing now, the Irish government has taken on a debt of over 40 billion additional debt as a result of this. That's Europe-wide. We could wake up tomorrow morning, and well, I won't hear because I don't listen to the news on RT or any of those places, but you could actually hear the report to say that the euro had been taken down yeah. and, was, and was now worthless. And anybody who had euros in the bank was pauperized. They're gone. Yeah. They're gone. That can happen because that's the kind of territory you're in. You know, there's a... Uh, there's a very good guy of people. There's a Fabio Vigi. Yeah, he's in. in a, he's. I think he's a Marxist, but he's an economist and very smart guy. He writes articles and he, he's done a couple of uh, uh, interviews and things. And he describes in graphic detail what actually is going on and why it is. This is all uh, a front to cover the actual takedown of the world economy and the, 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 the replacement of the world currencies, all the dollar and the euro and all the others, sterling with. A digital currency. Would you and believe, heard, John? We, sorry to interrupt you. Would you believe that people like the late great Jim Mars, who was a truly close friend of, of mine, I loved him. Uh, the Texan journalist who wrote Crossfire, that mm. book about JFK, and he wrote Alien Agenda, the one of the best-selling books ever about aliens, and it was actually very academic. It was a terrific read about you know interdimensional things and all sorts of stuff. Lovely, yes. lovely man. Jim Mars, and to be absolutely fair to him as well, and why wouldn't I be fair to him? I, I, I have a lot of time for him. People like David, going back years ago, David Icke and others were saying the very same thing. They didn't have the, maybe the forensic details that the gentleman you've mentioned obviously has, but they saw this coming a long time ago. The centralised, yeah. digitalised currency, which of course is a, which, which would be a currency that would be a rule-based currency. The, the person or, or, or the entity that controls it would be able to control the rules around its use. It's beyond yes. terrifying, and I think you're 100% right. I think he, Fabio, is 100% right. The, the financial co collapse will come, and it will be used as a justification for the traceable uh, d digital currency. And 
I hate to say this because after the optimistic thing you just told us, and I'm, I'm really am glad to hear it, and I'll have every finger and toe crossed. I might even pray, and I don't say that to be disrespectful. I, I, I think I might go to the synagogue, I might go to the church, I might go everywhere. You, you know, yes. th- th- I think it will happen. But I think if, if, if we allow that to happen, if that does happen, that will nearly be checkmate for them. Do you know that? I will, well, I certainly think it will cause massive uh, yeah. unrest, but I'd be concerned, Richie. I, I, you know, I, I vacillate on this thing. Some days I'm very optimistic. I'm, I'm talking about what the overall downstream outcome of all this. And then other days I get a very black feeling because it's, you know, you keep coming back to this concept of, of mass formation and, and what they've done with really kind of mass hypnosis. And they've actually reduced people to kind of, they're not even able to, to absorb information. The vast majority of people are not taking in information. So in a certain sense, you can actually tell them anything. And they think, yeah, yeah, that's fine, you know. Uh, but 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 the, this, the narrative remains no matter what you tell them. Uh, and so, I, like, you know, of course, if you'd imagine that if people wake up in the morning, in any morning, and find that they're po- they're 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 poverty stricken, that they have no savings, that that everything they had is gone, you'd imagine that would give them a bit of a jolt. Uh, and I don't hope that. On, I don't wish that on anybody because we're no. all going to be taken down when that happens, if that happens. Uh, but you know, it's very very plausible analysis because the like this system we've had for so long you know, back to the 70s, since they took down the gold standard, has been based on essentially debt creation, yeah. making money out of nothing, and and then raising interest on that, which means that at any given moment, there's far more debt out there than there has money to pay it back. So inevitably, there was going to be a moment when the irresistible uh, force met the immovable object and went bang, and, and everything par- became paralyzed. And that's kind of, I think, that's what he, that this guy Fabio is saying. And it, it, it it's... You know, very, very plausible indeed. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of also concerned at this present moment now, this new uh, uh, variant that they're talking about, the the Omricon or whatever they call it. Uh, before we come, Omicron. before we come to that, we've got all the time you want, by the way. But can, can we just stay with the debt thing for a minute before we talk yes. about Omri? I, I'll tell you why, because I have a theory. And uh, I, I'm very interested in the financial aspects of it. I, I'm not very much of an expert in anything, but I do watch the money stuff and I've done for a long time. I think Fabio and I think Jim Mars and, and David and, and all of those researchers are right. And I agree with everything you just said. I'm not sure it'll be next year or the year after, though. I think it might be a, it might be a time after that. I'll tell you what might come before then. Bail-ins. Things like yes. bail-ins. That's what I fear. I called the, the, uh, the, the Cypriot bail-in. I, I call that. I call that on this very programme. And you know, Ed Conway, who calls himself a journalist, he's Sky News financial editor, and he also writes for The Times. You've probably read him in The Times, although you've given up reading no, that garbage. No, not read that. You've given up that garbage. Yeah. Ed Conway suggested last year, he said, I swear to God, I wouldn't lie to you. Conway suggested that bail-ins were probably a good way to pay down the COVID debt. And I'll, I'll tell you exactly what he said, but I'll paraphrase him. He said that it, it could be a very good way, a short, sharp shock on people. And he even suggested, Conway, that people not be told that it's done in a fell swoop overnight. That bastard. I couldn't believe it. I, I emailed him. I went, emailed the Times. I said, what sort of journalism is that? So I advise my listeners, I have no qualifications whatsoever here. Um, like yourself, I'm a journalist. I have no other qualifications. I, I said to them, with that in mind, with them talking openly about it, 
don't leave too much stuff in your bank account, whatever. Oh, you exactly right, yeah. Richie. That's 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 certainly. And I mean, uh, you know, I, I hope you're right in the t- in terms of the time frame, but um, for the bigger picture. But the short term, the the bailings. I mean, that's a very real possibility. And when yeah. you see kind of you know tame hacks putting that out there, that's a softener. That's yeah. it, you know, and and another point that I mean it goes along with this, of course, is that you mentioned that there will be a reaction, and I mean that's the whole, that's the, the the thinking in relation to the explanation for what for how the, this is connected up to a virus, to the to the pandemic, you know, that that the creation of a essentially a quasi totalitarian atmosphere will be the atmosphere they will need to clamp down when people start basically kicking up about being robbed. And you can imagine that horror show that that would be, uh, given what we've seen here in the last couple of years. In the last couple of years, yeah. uh, so you know, I, and again, I can I can well believe it. When you see the behaviour of cops all over the world in Australia, in London, in Britain, from time to time, in Ireland, and uh, 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 all over the place, New Zealand, you, you think this is not a naturalistic response to ver- to anything really. Uh, it's kind of like a rehearsal for something. You know, and, and it has no, you know, the idea that it's actually about a, a virus, that it's about people's health. And you see cops beating their heads off people yeah. on the ground and kicking them. You think, no, nah, nah, this doesn't figure at all. No. And, and, and so, you know, I, 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 if you look up, if you look up that guy, Fagio Vigi, V-I-G-H-I, I don't know if that's the absolutely correct pronunciation, but he's written about three or four really substantial articles. They're very... They're beautifully written. He's a brilliant writer, uh, but they're a little bit, you know, they're long and they're technical. You have to kind of pause, have a cup of tea, think over the last paragraph. Not that they're written in the, they're very, they're in very readable language, but the concepts are so fast moving, you know, that you have to, and you see the way they're interlinked. It's it's really interesting. I would really recommend. He's very worth well worth uh, reading. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure. I, I say he's a Marxist. He strikes me that he might be a Marxist. Not that that matters. Uh, no. he, it's it's what he's saying that counts. Let's try and get him on, folks. Yeah. If you haven't if you haven't gone to John's website, read him at johnwaters.substack.com. Please do that. It's eleven and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Monday's Richie Allen show. As I said, the great John Waters is our guest. Not Plum Olsen, John. What a word. What a word. I'm not Plum Olsen. We said that last time. Uh, I'm not. He's an absolutely brilliant writer. Read him. Praise indeed. You calling him a, a, a good writer. I want to play this to make you laugh, and then you can talk about Omicron, if I pronounced it uh, properly. I know. You, you, moronic is easier, isn't it? Oh, moronic is hilarious, isn't it? Now, you, um, as a journalist writing for some of the finest newspapers in Europe, as you ha- well as they were when, when they used to be good newspapers, uh, you will, will, have, will have attended many a press conference. You will have raised your pen or pencil and made a point and challenged a politician or a public servant. I want you to listen to this because I, I can't believe it. I, I've attended many press conferences myself. We have a deputy chief medical officer in England called Jonathan Van Tam, a very interesting character. Uh, his family lineage, his, his, his granddad, very interesting character, mass murderer in Vietnam. Strange people, these people. Anyway, uh, maybe the sins of the grandfather shouldn't be visited upon the grandson, but he's, not, he's a spooky guy, this guy. And he's our deputy chief medical officer. He was addressing some of the country's best paid journalists this, after, this afternoon. Excuse me. My voice is going. So he's addressing them and he's talking a little bit about why we need to get all these boosters. And then he talks about the Omicron variant. 
just just listen to this and I imagine you John Waters sitting in amongst the assembled press pack listening to this and what you might have said at the conclusion of it and I think the three key themes we've heard in relation to Omicron and the JCV advice are uncertainty concern and timing an opportunity now to get the timing right um, JCVI has today announced renewed urgency and further expansion of the UK booster programme. We don't know what's going to happen next. As I explained to you, the next three weeks are going to be weeks of scientific uncertainty. But whilst we wait for the mist to clear on what this concerning variant actually means, there is no time to delay. It's our opportunity to get ahead and vaccine boosting is the thing we can do most easily whilst we wait for that science mist to clear. So to me, and as you know, I love football, um, we started with 11 players in the team with the Wuhan vaccine. And you could say that we've kind of picked up a couple of injuries when Alpha came along and then Delta came along. Uh, those variants that are slightly different from the Wuhan uh, original strain. And um, we've had to use our subs off the bench to keep us in the game, but we're well in the game. And you can see that with the current epidemiology in relation to Delta, that the vaccines are holding up very well and largely keeping us out of trouble. Now, Omicron is like now picking up a couple of yellow cards to key players on top. We may be okay, but we're kind of starting to feel at risk that we might go down to 10, 10 players. And if that happens, or if that's a risk that it's going to happen, then we need everyone on the pitch to up their game in the meantime. And that's really upping your game in terms of boosters and in terms of antibody responses. We're not going to wait for the red card to happen. We're going to act decisively now. And we're asking everyone to up their game um, we're asking everyone to play their part in the urgency now of the booster programme coming forward the moment you are called by the NHS. It's really, frankly, never been more vital that, uh, that the booster campaign has never been more vital than at this point in time. Thank you. I promise you, John Waters, that isn't a parody. That actually happened. And oh my God. he said, thank you. And the very first question put to him was by a BBC journalist. And rather than take him apart at the knees, he asked him, the BBC guy, how soon can you get the boosters to people? Would you believe that? I can believe that, Richie. Yeah, I can believe it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that sounds like something he dreamt up on the train on the way in, you know. <laughs> it, it, probably, it, it probably sounded good in his head as he was, you know, maybe drinking a, too much coffee or something and... and I mean, but again, you know, these guys, this is the thing that you, you feel about these guys. They, they, they have become, if they were not so to, to begin, and I don't know, but they have become over the last couple of years absolutely deranged, most of these guys. They're actually insane. Like, you can know from the way they talk, you know, the way they, and we have that here in Ireland too with some of them. Like, they actually, they're, 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 they vacillate between doom and gloom and, and, the, and like acting like comedians, very bad comedians, you know? Like they, they don't seem to, to be able to find any tone to match no. what is happening, what they're telling us. So, and that tells me they know what they're telling us is complete lies. 
Like, if they were really talking about something very serious, you couldn't be using analogies like that. You no. wouldn't, you, you, you know, you just wouldn't. Uh, but that it's very telltale. It's a kind of a telltale thing that you can see into their heads. You can see they're reading a script that they don't really believe in uh, anymore, if they ever did. Uh, I don't know. It, 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 it's quite farcical. I mean, we have a guy here in, in, in Ireland who, who's uh, Luke O'Neill, Professor Luke O'Neill, and he's the <laughs> go-to face. You know, he has a show. He has an actual road show. Uh, about COVID, believe it or not. I mean, I don't know what it's consistent, but it, that he actually is on the road and has done performances of some kind. And he has a guitar, God help us. And he plays <laughs> a guitar as well. Like, you know, this is serious. Like, I mean, like these guys are trying to convince us that there's actually a serious pandemic on. And this is the way they're behaving. Yeah. Yeah, for anybody who's, who, who listened to that and thinks it's a parody, it isn't. Because I've had a couple of emails already saying he couldn't, that couldn't have happened. It did happen. And not only did the BBC guy allow him away with it, an ITV woman came straight up after him and put another question about, you say you don't want us to panic, Professor Van Tam, but, but, but you're, you're rushing out the boosters, so this variant must be deadly. Let's talk about the variant with uh, my guest today, John Waters. The Omicron, as you said, the anagram for moronic variant. I've never been the greatest soothsayer in, 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 in radio journalism, never. But even I saw this coming weeks ago, we saw yeah. this coming, that there would be a variant just in time to play havoc with the travel at Christmas and scare the bejesus out of people and get masks on children's faces, which they're doing in this country and in God's country in, in, in Ireland. We saw this coming, right? This is not, no surprise to us, this. No, it's not. It's, as I say, it's, it's all scripted. You know, you knew this was happening. I mean, it, it's only, it, the only variation is, well, how are they going to do this? How are they going to destroy Christmas? We know they're going to do it. But how are they going to do it? Is it going to be another lockdown? Or you know, but they have, yeah, they they're they're varying their approach. Like they 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 play different kind of uh, movements or something, you know, and and, and it shifts uh, uh, all the time. So now they've gone for this particular thing. This this uh, like, you know, but but there are sinister aspects of it. I mean, one of the sinister aspects that I'm hearing is that they're they're beginning now to feed out uh, the symptoms. And the symptoms are actually symptoms like heart uh, 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 disease and so on, which are, we know, associated with the vaccines. So there could be an element here that they're trying to build some kind of rationale. I mean, this is extraordinary. Like A, a, a variant allegedly starts in, in Africa, and within a couple of days, it's in Britain. And in another couple of days, it'll be in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and and nobody, you see, you said about the questions there, like, but all the the questions from the BBC and ITV, they're all scripted as well. Of course, it's all yeah. part of the same script, and 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 they know he knows the questions in advance, and they know the answers in advance. Uh, this has been the way it's been from the very beginning, but I don't know. I I I I have foreboding about some things, uh, Richie, that I've always had, but it's kind of risen up in me again now in the last few days, like in relation, not so much the 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 variant because I, I think obviously all this is invented but just that, that there's something intractable about the 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 uh, mass formation thing you know the, the belgian psychologist uh, matthias desmond was has been talking very brilliantly about this like in describing how it's done and what effects it has you know and you know the the effect of you know free flowing you know that 
societies where there was a lot of alienation and what he calls free-floating anxiety, which is anxiety which has no real target, no understanding of what it's about, which, you know, is kind of a familiar thing, I think, to a lot of people now. Uh, we've been talking about it for years. You know, that, that this then finds this pandemic to be anxious about, and that gives it a focus. And then you give them a solution, and that gives them a solution to the anxiety. And and it, so it sucks, it sucks people in, this mass formation sucks people into a whole herd mentality. And then you create an enemy for them in the form of the anti-vaxxers or whatever, yeah, you see. Yeah. And then you turn them on that, on that person. And that seems to be, you know, what, where we're going now, that the, 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 this variant is now to create, to up the fear. The fear was dying down. I've noticed that in the last few weeks going around. The masks are not as plentiful in public as they were. People are not jumping out into the middle of the road when they meet you anymore. And I'd say they were noticing that too and decided they need another little bit of a dart to keep it going you know, over the Christmas. Uh, so I, 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 you know, my mind is boggled by a lot of this still, Richie. You know, when I look particularly at my own former profession of journalism, like, and I'm not just talking about the, the, the guys in the front line who were doing, telling the lies and asking the furious questions, the fake questions and all that kind of stuff. I'm actually talking about the guys in the back benches, you know, the guys I used to hang around with, like who were cynical and hard bitten and, you know, and, and saw through everything, like literally saw through everything before it happened. Where are they now? And why are they not blowing the whistle on this? Why are they not screaming to high heaven about this absolute abuse of our freedoms, of our democracies, of our, of our humanity? Uh, as you were saying earlier in relation to the judges, like uh, that th this is, it's such an abuse. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, Richie, yesterday, and and, and uh, a great friend going back to childhood, like him. Uh, and he, this lad, like he, he, he actually was dead already because he had a terrible heart attack there a long time ago, but he's recovered great. So he's very sanguine. And at one point he says, now he says, don't take me wrong, John, don't take me wrong. But I'm going to say, he says, don't take me wrong. But he says, you know, <laughs> The way, I'm, way the world is going now, he said, compared to the way the world was when we were young fellas. He says, I don't think I really mind dying. Jesus. Do you see? Yeah. Do you see? And I could, I could get what he meant. Yeah. And when I think about that, Richie, I think about the fact that here in Ireland, I think it's pretty true, much to everything. I don't know. Britain, I, I don't pay such a close attention to the daily news grind. But in Ireland, there's been all of this stuff in the last year and a half about euthanasia and you know dying with dignity and all this sort and of stuff. here incredibly so again this is not coincidental no, and in the media here absolutely that's the point yeah. that they're actually in a certain sense preparing us you know taking us to a point where we say Irish or what about you know uh, you know you know, where, you know like I've had a good innings you know this kind of stuff and I think that's an, it's, you know I'm, I'm very I don't go into you know Depression. Okay, I won't get into it because I got into terrible trouble talking about this, and it's very, very difficult subject to talk about. But obviously, I believe in sadness, and obviously, I believe in melancholy, and I believe in despair, and I believe all those things. I don't believe in the construct that we keep hearing about, which is depression, which is really, you know, a medical condition. Yeah, the the imbalance uh, in the brain, the chemicals, yeah, and all yeah. that bollocks. Well, I don't buy that either. Funnily enough, yeah, a cure, and it's in a bottle. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, but. I do think that something has happened to the human race, and certainly in my experience of it in the last two years, that you can feel the level of desire, of dynamism going down. Do you know what I mean? I, I, like, 
you know, when they're, they're, they're attacking everybody, like even kids in school, Richie, for Christ's you sake. Mentioned, you mentioned you know? that one kid you mentioned earlier on was the last to be jabbed and the yeah. pressure brought to bear on him by the parents of other kids. Am I to understand he went and, and rolled up his sleeve in the end, did he? He did, Richard, yeah. He gave in. He gave in. Terrible, terrible. I, but, I mean, I hear stories like a, a, a friend of mine does, does talk, little talks about the internet in schools. She's coming back to, to me with school. Like, the weather is cold now here. Every class they go into, every window is wide open. The kids are wearing their coats in the, in the desks. And the teacher is up with 14 masks on, you know? Yeah. Ventilate the virus. Vent- Have you seen those ads on telly with people speaking to one another and all of this black dust coming out from their mouths? Have you seen those? Oh, no. It's disgusting. No. They're running them here, the NHS. So they have these ads and they've got all... Of course, it's all very... It's all very... Uh, inclusive these ads you know if you watch the ads on british television john today you would imagine that the dominant um that the population is that 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 white people make up five percent of the population not not yeah. not the other way around it's hilarious stuff right oh we, we have a bit of that oh here it's well, gas big time now it's gas. started here big time you know like but richie like i i was there's a man that died last week uh uh robert Bly, the american poet and writer and he wrote a book i think i mentioned to you before the sibling society about it was written 25 years ago and it hugely prophetic of where we are now because essentially he was talking that there would be no adults that the figures of authority would disappear and you would basically have populations of rivalrous siblings squabbling and and you know calling their parents fascists and all this now this is something I was just thinking about it last night because I was watching an interview with Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. who's written a book about Fauci, which sounds amazing. Like, I mean, yeah, it sounds I haven't, really I haven't got it, yeah. And what he describes, Richie, is like, I, I, I went to bed, again, like, a terrible... Because he was like describing like all these things, like we know the, the FDA in, in America, the CDC, the NIH, and all these bodies to do with health and medication and, 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 and uh, all that. He said, essentially, he said, not essentially, he said they are actually just drug peddlers. That's what they do. That's what they're doing. They're selling drugs, right? Now, I was just thinking about this, like, you know, that everything we're being told is in the interest of almost, it's almost in the interest of some criminal operation. Proven criminals over the decades. Like Fauci, like absolute criminal. Like, but everything we're being told is all to feed their criminality to make them richer, to, to further their aims. And you think of that in terms of a pyramid, you know, that you have somewhere in the middle the, 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 the medical in infrastructure in the world and in the societies. And above that, you might say the media, because that's supposed to be, a, or the science community, and that, that's the same. And then above that, the media, which is the kind of supposed to be a watchdog, and that's worse, right? And above that, then you have the political, which, my God, you know, just think about America. Think about America over the last few years, the way that it has just become this madhouse, mad, mad complete insanity yeah, everywhere, yeah. derangement. And and you think, like, how long, how much longer to, could this go on anyway? Like, it, it, it's just, there's nowhere that you could think of. Do you remember when we were kids, Richie? Like, you know, like, you know, there'd be a ruction when this teacher would leave the room, like, and, and, and <laughs> or, or take the, they'd be off for sick or something. We'd be playing, yeah. you know puck in the room and yeah. the next thing the headmaster or the headmistress would come in and wrap the, the blackboard or someone and everybody would sit quiet yeah and you get a bit of a telling off uh, or you know and by the same token in a different way 
as people, as human beings, as citizens, you felt relatively safe. I know there were things happening, bad things here and there and all the rest of it, but in the general rule, you know, if things were going wrong, if things went wrong, if people, if, for example, if you were being bullied, for example, take that as an example, there was a place you could go and you could knock on a door or on a counter, whether it was a guard, a barracks, a police station, or the headmasters or the headmistress offices, and they would help you on the basis of what your story and whether it hung together and your character as known to them. None of that counts for anything now. Everything is taken away. It, all that matters is that you say the right things, the approved things, the politically correct things, and you keep your nose clean in that dimension and you do what the government tells you. And then you are a good citizen, regardless of what your instinct and your knowledge and your observation is telling you. And in, we're looking out, therefore, at the entire world turned into a criminal cabal. And there's not long as there's nothing that we can do about it independently or apart from all the little efforts we make. But we can't even express to other people how bad it is because they've been all got to by this mass formation. And immediately you say something to her, no matter what it is, about almost anything. They immediately become suspicious. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's one of those conspiracy theorists I used to hear about. Yeah, God, I better get away from this fella quick, you know? Yeah, yeah, before you bring him down or bring yeah, her down. So yeah. everything is booby-trapped mm. in advance. They have set it all up so that we're actually... In, and, and when we open our mouths then, Richie, we actually hang ourselves because we give, we conform to the description which these people have been programmed with already. It's quite terrifying, the whole thing. Um, and I don't know how we're going to break into it. Uh, this guy Desmond says, and it's interesting what you were talking about earlier in terms of the financial thing. In that moment when people wake up and they look at their, they, they go onto their bank account and there's nothing in it. That's one thing. De De this guy Matthias Desmond, he's this Belgian psycho uh, psychologist who talks a lot about this stuff. He says that, that if we can persuade these people that what is coming, the totalitarian reality we're talking about, you know, with the social credit and the surveillance and all this stuff, uh, if we can get that across to people, that will outweigh the effect of the terror campaign concerning the, the virus and the pandemic. Now, that's a big hill. That's a high hill to climb. You know, how are you going to do that to people? That's, I think, the, in principle, the idea is a good one, you know. And he says also that, above all, we have to keep doing it. No matter what we're doing, how little it, we think it might be, it's far more important than we understand. That's a brilliant point, that. And uh, I've, I've noticed with great interest in the last couple of weeks, over the last few years, the this programme would get some pretty negative mentions in the British press, if anybody wants to check them out, you can just use a search engine, put Richie Allen Show in, and then if you click news, you'll find negative mentions over the years. Um, because of some of the guests I've had on, I, I've always been interested in the contrarians, but also I've always been interested in the people with the mad ideas, you know. I interviewed a guy one time who got very far in a California Democratic primary, and he believed that the Jews have an evil gene. That, that's what he believed, right? And he, yeah. and he was saying this, and he was still doing well. So I said, I've got to get him on. So I brought him on, and I don't ridicule people. I don't bring people on my programs to set them up. I never did it when I was in commercial radio. I, I, it, it's pathetic. You know, have a chat with somebody. And yeah. um, so over the years, there'd be a bit of that. Uh, Desmond Swain came on with me last year, the Tory MP. They went for him big time on Sky News because... I'm an undesirable because I've interviewed some crazy people uh, and, and Holocaust and I, I interviewed one Holocaust and I over the years. But what I've noticed lately is there's been a renewed 
um, enthusiasm for for having a go at this program. Now I'm uh, like yourself. I'm, I'm I'm not nearly as learned or as experienced as you, but I've got just as thick a skin as you because I've had to learn to have one. So I just yeah. enjoy it now. But I also think great because th- th- obviously something is bugging them. They wouldn't be doing it. Why would you mention? An yeah. internet radio show. It's a, it's a badge of honour, Richie. You know. Well, well maybe. You, you know, I've been around too long to even take that because I, I don't want anybody to think for a minute that there's anything egotistical about what I'm saying. It's just that I think, wow. Um, so they are a little bit concerned about the indie media. They pretend yes. they're not, but they are. Oh, they very much are. I mean, and that's that's something that I I think we all underestimate. And then, then yeah. you know, while that's okay. Let's also have that other kind of thought that maybe we're being far more influential than we imagine. Yeah. Because if you were to put to measure this way, and I might have said this to you before, but if you were to measure it, if you, you know, and I, this is what I do whenever I'm in doubt. I look back to April, May, June of last year, the absolute silence that was out there, you know, among people. Look at now what's happened. Like there's there's all kinds of people beginning to talk about this. Even you know in your in your own in narrow circle, you're we're coming across people who are beginning to ask questions and and you know people are kind of nodding to me in the street now, whereas they were kind of you know screaming at me from the far side there a year ago. You know. Can I ask you on uh, that? Can I ask you quickly on that? Do you think because I mentioned this with respect to the judges? Sorry for cutting across you. I don't like cutting across. No, no. But 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 this is I, I like this idea. Maybe I'm wrong. Do you think fatigue? And just sheer fed upness of this fucking shite. Excuse my language. Do you think yeah. that's got something to do with that? They're just fed up of it now. Oh yeah, I think that even the ones who yeah. don't seem to be and who don't think they are are actually wary because it is a sort of physiological. I believe this is it's getting into our DNA now. Yeah. This kind of I, I the way I, the metaphor I kind of came up with there a long time ago was that they, it was almost as if they had found a way of turning up gravity. Because <laughs> you can feel this kind of weight down on you, fucking, you know, stronger yeah. and stronger, like all the time, you know. And you, you have to actually, I mean, I have to actually straighten myself up some days, you know, when I'm walking down the street, like, ah, oh, come on, pull yourself together, yeah, pull your, you know, yeah. put your shoulders back, do it, you know, Jordan Peterson, like, you know, yes. go clean your room, you know, or something, you know, like, I do feel that, uh, and I do f- sense that from people as well. I say that you know the lack, the the absence of dynamism and and, and passion in people. It's really, you know, that's happening. You know, the, I, I read years ago a, a report called the Census Report in Italy. Uh, it's over 10 years ago at the height of the economic crisis. And that was very bad in Italy, as you know. Uh, and, and it was talking about that, the depletion of desire in the population, which I'd never seen before in any kind of political context. I actually wrote about it in a book I wrote there uh, about that time, you know, uh, about Ireland. It was called... Um, uh, was it for this, which is a, a line from Yeats. And and uh, uh, I, I do think there's, there's something real there. You know, we don't actually think about ourselves in that way collectively as having kind of a, a dynamism. But if you actually think about it, you know, look what happened to the to the people of peoples of Eastern Europe. Uh, you know, the way that they were kind of, you know, not just oppressed, but like beaten down, like just, you know, and, and pushed into the ground almost like to the point where they were became hugely individualistic and alienated and atomized and, and, and really totally indifferent to one another. I didn't really get this because, I mean, I came from Ireland. And if I, stop me if I told you this story before, but I, I think I might have. But I'll tell you again. No, it's like, always I know what you're going to say, but do tell it again. Yeah. The one about Prague. Yeah, go like, on. 
yeah, yeah. Like it's just about the revolving door. And I couldn't really grasp this. Until I had this experience, I didn't really understand, for example, what Václav Havel was talking about in terms of the, the, the physiological effect on the peoples of Eastern Europe, particularly his own people in, in Czechoslovakia at the time. And I was over there covering the, the first uh, free elections in 1990. And I had to say there was no email in those days. So I had to send faxes back to the Irish Times in Dublin, you know, uh, from the post office. And uh, so I went down, and there was a big revolving door there, you know, and, and uh, I, you know, we've, I've seen them many times before, I've never thought about them much. And, you know, there, there's one in the Shelburne Hotel in Dublin, not that I go in there so much, but, you know, <laughs> if you're going, and, and the trick there is, you know, if you, and this is amazing, the connection, the cultural functionality of those things you don't think about, but there is a cultural functionality because, you know, and this is the only area when this is the moment I realized that, that if you're going in, to the Shelburne Hotel, say, uh, uh, and you, you, you what? You go to the door. You're watching to see are there people in the lobby, are there people coming towards the door, and and what happens? You 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 moderate your step, or you might accelerate depending on how close yeah. they are to the door, to so that you go into the door at the same time, and you pass each other in this space, in the, there over in the other compartment, and you're there, and it's like two telephone kiosks in yeah. motion, you know, <laughs> and, and 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 you come out safely, and you barely. You barely touch the sides of either uh, either of you, right? That's the negotiation, and that's a fantastic cultural negotiation that goes on. I I, I went into the door the door in the post office in Prague, and I I was I had that in my mind. I wasn't thinking obviously, but I just did it the way I would. And he basically, he basically this guy was coming out, and he basically nearly cut me in two. He jammed. He just slammed through the thing. Right. And, and and slapped me up against the, the side of it, and and you know, I left my arm sort of nearly hanging off, you know, <laughs> like that. That's what I mean. And that see politics, this kind of stuff has that effect because he didn't care who was there. He was coming out, and that was that, right? Yeah. There were no other people in the world except him. That's one of the things this stuff does. Selfish individualism. Yeah. Totally. And that's a real concrete example of it. We don't know yeah. what, what does it mean. We think it's kind of all about money and materialism and it's not. It's not. It's a complete indifference. I mean, you think the very concept of empathy in society is being drained away by this. People don't really understand that actually they're losing their empathy for other people and other people are losing their empathy for them because there's all these little bits of resentments and hostilities. I mean, in all kinds of ways, like if you were passing down, you just think about it, like you're going down the street and uh, somebody's coming at you with a mask and you have no mask, but you say, okay, well, I'm, I'm, you know, fine. And, and uh, the next thing they're out in the middle of the road. That's right. That's right. And you think, you think, well, what? I'm a leper, yeah. you know, uh, or something like that, you know, and I kind of was saying, well, I'm going to wait till this is all over, Richie. Yeah. And then, then I'm going to, when, when it's all over for about three, three months, and then I'm going to start avoiding people like that. I'm going to start walking out into the middle of the road, right? And covered my face, they put my hands up to my face and so that. And if they say anything to me, I say, I don't want to catch the stupidity, you know, or something like that. It's a fantasy. It's a fantasy. It helps me. It helps me along. But, you know, and by the same token, the same person might, you know, politely pull into a gateway to let you pass and look at you then expectantly to say, well, thank you very much for yeah, saving yeah. my life, you know, or something like that. And you say, and you resent that as well, you know, because you say, well, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm grand. We saw yeah. some mad stuff, didn't we? Both of I mean, I, we've never met. I hope, I, please God, we will meet someday. And I'll, I'll definitely be buying. I'm, I'm never found wanting when it comes to getting the rounds in. So I'll be buying. But we saw some crazy stuff. I, I, I jog 
sometimes I run, but I mostly jog these days. And not so much now, I'll be the first to admit, not so much now, but, but back last year, yes, a couple of times, people's movement to get away from me. On fairly wide footpaths now, th- their their movements were just crazy. And the, the, the most bizarre thing that happened to, to us was late last year, um, myself and, 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 and Caroline, my, my, my better half, were, we were up in the Lake District and we were with uh, my German Shepherd, uh, who, who's passed away sadly, and our little golden retriever, the four of us. Um, we, we, we were staying in Ambleside, which is lovely. So we took a lovely walk out in the middle of nowhere, out, 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 out over the lakes. And about 15, 20 yards ahead of us, getting over a, a, a turnstile, was a woman and her son. And I, I swear to, to, to God and all the saints, within seconds, they reached into their pockets and they put masks on. We're out in the middle of beautiful countryside, in the, in, in the fresh air, and uh, they put the masks on. And... We nodded at them, as we would anyway, and there was a bear nod back, nothing. Maybe they mumbled. And yeah, 10, 10, 10 or 15 feet then the other side, up came the hands and the masks came off. And we were musing on this as you would do, myself and my missus, and we were saying, how do you get to that? Like, How, how do you reach that juncture in your life where you don't think that that's patently insane? Yeah, I know. Well, I, I had an experience there down west there a couple of weeks ago. You know, I was doing, I have a place down there and I was doing a bit of work in the garden. I have a no dig, set of no dig beds, you know. And uh, I was just, I was actually putting out coffee grounds in the in the, in the beds, you know. And this fella came along across the fields and, and he's like wearing this big mask, you know. Well, this is the middle of nowhere, like, you know, it's a wild place. Like, he's wearing this mask, like, and the blue ones, one of the blue ones, which are completely less than useless like you know i call them snot rags yeah. in the french but like he comes up and he starts talking to me you know and, and uh, i i go i woke up i said how are you doing i'm john i go over to across the wall to shake hands with him and he pulls back as if i'm after trying to hit him you know and and so we're talking anyway at a distance and and uh, uh he's oh no it's terrible in there downtown he says it's right or it's, it's rampant in there now the, the COVID, you know and all this stuff and <laughs> and and, and uh, and I said, it's all a cod. And he's looking at me like, you know, I said, You're, what? <laughs> and I would go, he's not believing me, I know. And he, he's having that experience, that moment where he says, oh, this is one of those fellas. I one do, I he's one of them one day, you know. He's a denier, he's a denier. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, he changes the subject because he's near the coffee grounds. He says, what's that stuff? He says, and I said, oh, it's coffee grounds. And he said, you know, for the garden, you know. I says, oh, yeah, yeah. He says, he says the... You know, he says, I, I prefer the, the tea leaves, he says, you know, the tea leaves are far better, he says, you know, he says, do you know, he says, that in every spoonful of tea leaves, there's a thousand germs. That's how good they are. A thousand germs. Yeah. So he was praising the germs. Yeah. But he's trying to avoid them. And I says, My God. well, does it not strike you as funny that that thing you're wearing on your face, I says, is stopping the germs that go into your system which help you to, to build your strong immune system and make it in the same way as you're talking about the germs in yeah. the garden yeah never occurred to him and he went he just looked, he looked at me one more time and he walked off you know and uh, like but this is again you see there's no point in saying that he's he's uh, irrational there's no point in saying that he's mad that's the mass formation the fear is so dominant in the mix there that he can't think about anything i'm saying to him you touched and, and, on something. And that's the point. That's why they're not taking it. This is the thing that I think people have tried to persuade each other with facts and data and, and diagrams and whatnot. Useless. 
This is amazing. I, I, I want to go back to something you said about a half an hour ago now, based on what you just said there. John Waters is our guest. You know John, he's an author, he is uh, a terrific journalist. He's not writing for the Irish press anymore, sadly. Uh, but you can read him at johnwaters.substack.com and uh, thankfully he's a frequent guest on some excellent uh, podcasts and radio shows, including the likes of Dave Cullen in Ireland and there's many others. And he does live streams with Gemma O'Doherty, which are must-watch uh, live streams too, so check them out. John came bearing good news this evening. The Supreme Court has given him and Gemma O'Doherty leave uh, the green light, basically, to begin an appeal process against the rulings of the High Court and the Court of Appeal. Because you'll remember last year, the High Court and the Court of Appeal basically refused John and Gemma the right to have uh, the lockdowns judicially reviewed, the lockdown laws judicially reviewed. Well, the Supreme Court has said, well, hang on a second now. We'll see about that. We don't think that was right. So that was bloody good news. And we'll obviously follow that. John said 15 weeks now. Um, for, for, you know, from now submitting all of the paperwork and all of that, we'll 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 we'll, we'll come back to that. Johnwaters.substack.com. You said something earlier. I wanted to stop you, but I, I I do too much stopping people sometimes. Other times I'm I'm grand to just let people talk. But I want to go back to it. We are capable of far more than we have any idea of, and I'm 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 the right guy to talk about this because I was really a you know kind of I was very pragmatic all my life in. If I could see something or touch it or smell it or taste it, it existed. Nothing else existed. And I would have had friends who were interested in esoteric things and spiritual things. And I, because I love them and because I'm happy to listen to people, but I would have been very closed-minded. But now I'm beginning to think that we're far more capable and we're far more sensitive to the, the world where we live in and the universe than we even know. You said something that really grabbed me earlier. You said that anxiety was prevalent before the pandemic, you said. And you said that most people, yeah. you said most people really wouldn't understand why they were anxious. They were just anxious. I, I, I think you nailed that. You're absolutely right. And then you said, and again, it, it really struck me. You said, then the pandemic came along and it gave them an outlet for the anxiety. And again, I think you were brilliant in, obser- in observing that. What it makes me think, though, is, is that, um, that, 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 uh, that sense of something coming down the, coming down the line, um, that that was tangible, that that was, that was something that people could feel. And that, maybe I'm going nowhere with this now, but I think I might be going somewhere. That would give me hope that, that, that we're far, you know, the fact that people could, could, could know without knowing why, but could intrinsically know that something was coming down the line, they could feel it, they could absorb it, even if they couldn't give a name to it. And then COVID came along, which handily gave them, you know, an excuse for it. I, I, I don't know, that's just something that I think is a positive thing. We yeah, are far well, more I, capable. I, I, well, first of all, I mean, I can't take credit for those thoughts because, I mean, I, I, I most recently came across them, and this guy I'm talking about, uh, Matthias Desmet, this Belgian uh, psychologist. psychologist. And he, he, of course, he, uh, you know, he... he 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 develops the work of people like Hannah Arendt and and Gustave Le Bon and these guys going back a hundred years or more about how you know totalitarianisms worked and so on you know uh, and but I do think that actually you know there is that possibility in the, this moment that his logic in that is that if you can if you actually can match and exceed the potential for fear in something, by telling people something about, for example, losing everything they have. If you could convince people that they're going to lose everything they have as a result of this, as it may be too late now anyway, but that that might outweigh the fear they have of the virus or of the pandemic, you know, and, and that, that that snaps them out of it. 
you know, that, that suddenly they wake up and it's like literally, literally waking up out of a dream. And you think, where am I? Oh, quirky. That, yeah. that seemed real. What, 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 you know? And, and I do think that that's, that's a real thing, you know? Uh, and I do think that we're, we're, uh, like we, we, we do have ways of, 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 you know, waking people up if we could just follow them, if we could just know exactly what's happening. I think that's the most important thing to try and read our way into it. I, I did a, an article about that guy Desmond on my on my on my website there, that uh, Substack, uh, John Waters Unchained, about six weeks ago, and it's very very. I just I actually took out a lot of his interviews and distilled them down to what he what I thought was the essence of what he was saying, you know. And it's brilliant stuff, like because it's old, you know. It's based on people who have worked lived through real totalitarianisms, you know, uh, like Hannah Arendt and all that, and so it's rock solid and. You know, it, it gives us, you know, food for thought in terms of trying to figure out how the hell are we going to get out of this? How the hell are we going to get out of this? But I do think we, we have that potential. You know, we do actually have that sense of that the capacity to to overreach ourselves, you know, to exceed our potential in terms of what we might think we can achieve. You know, I've often had that feeling like, you know, like I've always had that idea that when I was doing public speaking, for example, it didn't matter how many people were there in the room. People would say, like, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people in some situations and very few in others, right? It's just the way it goes. You might come to some place out and then a cold winter night down in Mayo and there's like two people in the room and that's happened to me. And, and I always say the same thing. Oh, if the show goes on. You're making a connection anyway. Yeah, because this is the logic of it. Insofar as you need logic, but you just do it. But the logic is something like this. And I do know this. Very many times in my own life, I've been kind of moved by one speaker to such an extent that it actually changed my life. You know what I mean? Like that it would give me a way of seeing the world that was so new that it would make me go into a new direction in my life. And I've always held that idea that one of those two people or both of them could actually be changed by this and could do a thousand times, have a thousand times the impact that I've ever had in their life as a result. So I do it. I speak, right? There's also the other thing, and I don't. This, I'm going into really kind of fanciful stuff here in a certain sense. But you know, the quantum world is a different kind of world to the world that we're used to. You know, the, the, there's the, as scientists are, will tell you, there's a different world that we're part of. You know, there's all kinds of things going on, dark matter and what's not. You know, that what we think is air is actually solid to another in another yeah, reality. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. And in that world, you know. It's like, you know, the, the leaf falling in the forest, you know, they cause a vibration that, that, you know, echoes, you know, does something else, to, you know, creates a storm on the other side of the globe. That there's something in that as well, you know, that you, you put it out there, whether you are religious or not, or because religion is, is, in my opinion, is in, to a large degree, it's a language for understanding the things we don't understand. Like it assumes we there's a lot that we don't know, and it gives us a mechanism for 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 working within those realities without knowing what they are, and I that's kind of so when I I kind of think well, I'll do this, and who knows what the impact will be? I'll do it because it's the right thing to do. It's like taking our our, our case last we went out April 2020, crickets everywhere, and we went into the forecourts, we filled out had our papers ready, and we got nothing but abuse from everyone. Uh, but we kept going. And I believe that, you know, it's not that I'm claiming any great valor or, or heroism or anything about that. But what I'm saying is that we, we, by doing the right thing, 
from our own point of view, you don't need an objective measure of this. If you think this is the right thing to do and you do it, somehow it will always have a good effect. That's been my experience, Richie. I don't know why that is, except to say that it's true. That's my experience. Uh, uh, that, that when you go through something very painful, but you know you're doing it for the right reason, the result is always far better than you could have arranged yourself. It's things happen that you couldn't have dreamt of. It's amazing. And I think that in this whole thing, if we start collectively to think like that, to think, I don't mean, you know, Pollyanna thinking, just be hopeful for the sake of being hopeful. I mean, well, actually, think it like, generally, we're still here, Richie, you know, after that we've be, always been true. You know, still we've swinging. overheard a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. So that's a, that's a good place to start. Like, Secondly, these guys who are doing this are not as smart as they think they are, you know? Uh, you know, and, and, and the other thing is, when human beings are pushed to the very edge, they start to, they start to fight back. You know, that's very much true of the Irish, of, of your paddy, you know? Yeah. Like, you know the fellow in the corner of the bar, like, and, and, and he's sitting there, and, and there's a lot of messing going on, you know, and this fellow's just, just, you know, jostling, fighting, picking fights, and, you know, drunk, and messing around. And he's watching, and he's kind of laughing first, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he kind of thinks, oh, just turn, turn, don't suck her. And there was someone there, <laughs> sort of, you know, and, and, like, and no one's doing anything. <laughs> and then, next thing, there's a roar. Armageddon. A roar from the corner. Yeah. And the table goes up, and he's out, <laughs> and, and and that's it. That moment is coming, Richie. I don't know when, what it will be that will bring it, but I do believe it's coming. It could be that waking up and finding you have nothing left, that they've taken everything, and you have nothing to lose. And I'll tell you something. I, I've often said this: like, don't make me, don't leave me. In situations I've been in, I remember being in a family court thing years ago and there was all kinds of experts you interviewing me and I used to say to them at the interview don't leave me with nothing to lose because that's when you're dangerous and in a way it might come to that Richie in all of this and if it does then so be it we'll recover we'll have a better chance of recovering from that than what these people if they are have in store for us it's a brilliant but, sorry but we will fight that we will we have the capacity, we have untapped resources of resilience. And it's funny, you know, when you're actually driven by something like that, there's an extremity, like a, a parent fighting for a child. Something like that makes you superhuman. Do us a favour and come back um, this side of Christmas, will you? So we can talk oh. about, about we, we, we discussed this last time you were on. Yeah, I will, Richie. Love to do that, and, and maybe we'll talk in a little bit more about that whole, the mystical end of things. You know, yeah. I, 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 I believe in that. But you know, people t have me down in certain things, you know, quarters. But I, I'm, I'm more flexible than, than people think. I, I have a much more fluid understanding of these things, and I believe in general when you talk about mystical things, you're actually talking about mystery, and and you don't know is the answer. You don't know, but you something tells you there's something and and it's that that i like to think about and i do believe that about the human race that we are we're a transcendent species fundamentally whatever that might mean to everybody or anybody and we will actually find energy once we start focusing on what the purpose of everything is as opposed to you know sweating the small stuff you know which is a lot of what we do and that, it's a lot of where that anxiety comes from you know that that free-floating anxiety that we're we're, we're bothered by everything, you know, we're afraid of dying, we're afraid of living, we're afraid of the postman, we're afraid of everything in a certain way. 
And it's time we said one day, one day we wake up and we look at this little I've got so bad. And we say, well, actually, I'm not afraid of anything now because I've nothing to lose. Nothing left to lose. Folks, you can read John, johnwaters.substack.com. I, I, I do recommend it. And uh, John will be back this side of Christmas to talk um, about the mysteries, uh, the things that we think about, the things that you get criticised for talking about. Uh, but uh, I look forward to that. We talked about that last time you were on. Good yeah, look, good, great, Richie. Look forward to that very much. Absolutely. Right. And good luck in the meantime with all the... I'm sure it's going to be a lot of work now, gathering There's together. A lot of work. A lot of work. Uh, yourself like, and Jimmy, midnight yeah. oil and all that, you know. But it'll be, you know, we're, we're happy to do it. We're really, you know, we're really thrilled with this opportunity now. Well, go and speak to you. Thanks so much, Richie. Thank you. God bless you. Speak to you soon. And you too, John. That's uh, John Waters, great Irish journalist and author. And uh, friend of the shows now, it's fair to say. Uh, Delighted to have him on today. And um, johnwaters.substack.com. That's where you'll find John online. You are with uh, the Richie Allen Show for Monday. It's the 29th of November, 2021. Your BBG with you till 7 o'clock. When I come back, well, there's been hundreds of comments. I shall read them. And uh, have a chat with you, that's what I was The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk But we'll have a tune before I do that. This is Roy Orbison and Blue Bayou on the Richie Allen Ah, Roy Orbison and Blue Bayou on the Richie Allen Show Monday edition. Hey, listen, Spotify, a number of you have been in touch with me. Thank you very much for being in touch with me. I do appreciate it, but I I did know anyway. Last week, pretty much every one of the programmes last week, each programme from last week was cut in half by Spotify. If you think back last week, we had Professor Dolores Cahill on. So when that show that live, because it's a live radio show, you know, when it was uploaded to Podomatic, which is my podcast host, it then goes out to everywhere that you can think of, right? But Spotify, I know this to be true, I spoke about this weeks back, I've learned that Spotify has appointed somebody specifically to cut up, not just uh, the Richie Allen show, but one or two other programs with fairly large listenerships as well. So if you if you look back on Spotify, you'll see that every show, every show, <coughs> excuse me, God, let me have some more water. I'm still not great, by the way. I'm not feeling great. Still got a very sore chest and my breathing is still difficult. I went through my steroids, my steroids, and I could probably do it some more. It's, it's I'm a bit rough at the moment, but anyway, anyway, that's just me whinging. But yeah, the Spotify, they've been cutting the programs. Just ignore it. I, I've got I've gotten in touch with Spotify, <clears throat> excuse me, to ask them not to carry the program, but I've been ignored. I don't know why that is. I'm pretty sure they'd be happy not to carry the program, but um, it's on there. It's uploaded there. I've even got gotten in touch with Podomatic, my my host, and said, "Is there any way we can stop it going to Spotify?" And apparently, there isn't now. They have the. <clears throat> The, um, I don't know what it's called, uh, the code, and we can't change it. So they, they, they take the programs and they cut them, which is a disgrace. But uh, I don't let things like that bother me. I just wish they could be prevented from, from doing it, you know, from, um, from, from, host, from, from, from carrying the program. Anyway, I know, I know. I'm rambling 20 minutes 
to the top of the hour. Welcome to the programme, Richard Kelly, and to Patrizia, who says what many people seem to forget is that Hitler didn't single-handedly murder millions of innocent Jewish people and others. He had millions of hypnotised, mesmerised, willing helpers. The current parallels are astounding, says Patrizia. Thank you for that. Got to be careful, though. I see one or two people in the mainstream media getting hammered for suggesting that there's anything Nazi about the guidelines. But um, but you're right, of course, Patricia. I totally agree with you, 100%. Let me scroll down there. Hi to Paul Vickers. A disabled person has been described previously as invalid or invalid or of no value. Invalid, the power of words, says Paul, indeed. I remember when we first lived in Spain, myself and herself broke out proper belly laughs. We'd been in Spain a few weeks we eventually lived there for eight, just over eight years, eight and a half years, or whatever it was, I can't remember. But when we'd arrived, or when we had just arrived, we were walking in a little village. It was either Sabanias, which is a very little village, or a bigger village, Estepona, I can't remember. And we came across a sign that said, Minos Validos. And we laughed at it. And we saw, when you take it to its literal meaning, you know, minus valid, like not valid. Yes, Paul, yeah, it occurred to me. How did they get away with calling people invalid? You think today they go, when I say they now, I don't mean disabled people. I mean snowflakes. I don't mean disabled people. When I say they, I mean snowflakes go running and screaming and crying about the most innocuous of phrases and words and terms, don't they? But, uh, but, but then nobody says invalid anymore. I've never heard anybody use that word, not for many, many, many years. Caroline says, depressingly, that's Caroline Feely who turned 54 on Saturday. I was in a supermarket earlier today, she says, and it was full of blue-faced people. So sad, she said. I might not be going to a supermarket for some time. I did recently, just to get out of the house now, I did pop around to my local big, big supermarket, I won't mention its name, just to get out of the house. And because I like to see what I'm buying. I don't like buying groceries online. I would prefer, and I'm not being, I'm not virtue signalling here. Yeah, I would prefer to go to a green grocers. But they don't exist. At least nowhere near me can I go to. And do you remember growing up, John mentioned a few times in our very enjoyable conversation. At least I enjoyed listening to John. You might not have enjoyed listening to me, but I enjoyed listening to John. He, he talked about when, when you're younger. I remember growing up in Ballybeg in Waterford, heading into Waterford, into the town, even though Waterford is a city, but we refer to it as the town. I'm going into town, and from Ballybeg you could walk into town in a half an hour, or you got a bus for 20p, or whatever it was. And I would go up to Ballybricken, and Ballybricken is a lovely place in Waterford. And there, in Ballybricken, you had everything. You had a fishmonger. You had a green grocer. Yes, you did have a supermarket. But um, the supermarkets weren't massive like they are now. You, you, I don't know what you bought in supermarkets back then. But I do remember my mother buying the vegetables from a green grocer. From an actual vegetable salesperson. 
a local businessman. It was a man. The fishmonger was a man too. He got a bit of fish. Remember back in the day when fish was very affordable? Remember? We talk about this sometimes as well. Fish is no longer affordable. It's expensive now, fish. We had a geography teacher when I was in high school called McGovern. Can't remember his first name. It might have been Sean McGovern. He was a bit of an idiot. Fancied himself, but he, deep down he was a nice guy. This guy McGovern. And he called the, the how, how fish would change, how fish was traditionally a, you know, a poor person's diet, as it was at one time. He called it in 1988, 1989, when I was in secondary school. He said that will change. He was on the ball about certain things like that. But yeah, anyway, I am rambling. But yeah, there was a time you went to different places to get different things. But uh, not anymore, as, as it is. And of course, after this now, after this scam, you see how many businesses are closing down in town centres. And you'll see the supermarkets eventually go out of business. Don't laugh. Amazon is doing deliveries on behalf of Morrison's, is it? I think at the moment. You can go on to Amazon.com and shop with Morrison's through Amazon. And they'll come along with a lorry very quickly, I understand. And will deliver to you very, very, very quickly. So pretty soon the supermarkets themselves will be gone. And it'll just be Amazon. That's a bad thing. Particularly in light of centralised digital currencies coming in too. Because if you're not a good boy or a good girl, you might not be able to shop that week. That'll teach you. Imagine you'll have a digitalised version run by big tech of your mother sending you to bed without any supper. <laughs> now, to be fair to my mother, I was never sent to bed hungry even though I was punished for things. Never sent to bed hungry. Never, it must be said. But um, I, I, I have friends who were sent to bed hungry as punishment for behaving badly. You could have a big tech version of that in the near future. No, you don't get to eat this week. No, no, no. And then the surveillance will be so good, it'll be so excellent, that your friendly neighbour, John, or, 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 or Marie, they won't be able to help you out because they'll be marked down for doing that. <laughs> remember that scene in A Few Good Men, remember? When Kiefer Sutherland was playing an arsehole. He was asked by Tom Cruise, why did you put this guy in punishment detail? And he said because he brought another prisoner who was on rations because of his bad behaviour. He brought him some food and Tom Cruise said, so you gave this guy a bad rating because he brought a poor hungry prisoner some food and Kiefer Sutherland said he committed a crime by doing that I see all of these possibilities in the future <clears throat> I should also shut up <clears throat> because they might be listening to this <laughs> might be taking notes tell you what that bally guy there that useless bally bastard in Salford got some bloody ideas there you might give him a ring might get him to work with us and come up with some more of these lovely ideas. <laughs> anyway. Hi to Isabel Bentitrace, 23. How are you, Isabel? She was listening to Jonathan Van Tam's ridiculous address to the press corps where he used football analogies or a football analogy to talk about Omicron, the new COVID variant of concern. It's ridiculous, Isabel. It's absolutely ridiculous. And uh, 
You know, the fact that none of the journalists there thought it appropriate to smack him around the face, his horrible, podgy face, and say, listen, where do you get off treating me like I'm an effing idiot, you know? But yeah, it's mad. It is mad. Good good evening to JC. Good evening to Jim. Jim says, um, NHS face covering exemption cards are handy to have. They can save a lot of hassle. And Jim has sent a link. You can see it on uh, richieallen.co.uk forward slash live comment. But you see, Jim, I wouldn't even do that because, listen, I'm not saying that people shouldn't do it. By, by buying one of those exemption cards, and you can buy them online, you're giving in to them. You know, you're playing ball with them. I'm exempt from wearing a mask on my face because I have exempted myself. And if I do need to go to a supermarket in the next couple of weeks, I will not wear a lanyard. I will walk in without a mask. And like our friend Peter Ebden, if I'm asked why, I will tell the person to mind their own fucking business. It's none of your business why. I have a good reason for not wearing it. It's none of your business. I did it a couple of times last year. I'm certainly not going to wear a lanyard because then you're you're submitting to them. You're acquiescing to them. You're acknowledging that, you know, that they've got some sort of power over you that you need to wear a lanyard. I'd say no, absolutely not. Lanyard, my arse, I would say. That's what I would say. It's coming up for 10 minutes to 7 o'clock. Uh, Red Green, how are you? We've, we've had no problems today, technically, so it's got to be your own device. We've had no problems. There were some problems some months ago because of the traffic on the stream. <clears throat> but now, I pay for enough bandwidth. Uh, it costs a fortune every month. We can hold nearly half a million listeners on the stream at any given time. And that's because things went a bit mad uh, back in uh, the spring and the summer. We were getting hammered with listeners. Hammered. Hi to you and Cooper. You and you've mentioned a bloke there. And I won't mention his name because I think he's an agent. And uh, he's another one with that, um, what's that guy's name? That idiot. Uh, what, what does he call himself? Michael O'Bernicia. Uh, another twat who, who said a year ago that he was going to have Matt Hancock and others in court. And a lot of truthers believed them. And I'm sure he got plenty of clicks and plenty of followers. Because that's what it's all about to the truther industrial complex clicks and follows and uh, send more money, send more money, send more money. It's bullshit. I said it last year, I was abused for it. I said, neither this Michael Bearded Muppet, Bernicia, whatever his name is, or his pals will ever get Matt Hancock in a court of law. They are liars. They are serial liars. They lie. They tell people what they want to hear because at the end of it, it's ching-ching. That's what it's all about. Got to stop following these fools. Or do what you want, because ultimately I don't get to tell you who to follow. Of course I don't. But at some stage you've got to say to yourself, some of these truthers, they, they really are idiots. And why I spend time with them, I, I, I don't know. You've got to start asking yourselves those questions. Because they lead, they, do you know where they lead you? They lead you down a cul-de-sac, ultimately where you don't ever do anything for yourself 
That's what it is. That's what the truth or industrial complex is all about. I wrote about this and I did bore my listeners for, 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 for years talking about it. Cul-de-sacs. That's what the truth or industrial complex gets you down cul-de-sacs where you never do anything for yourself. Wait for the truthers, the, the cavalry to come to the rescue. Morons. But um, that's a good reason for talking about that now, but I'm not going to get into it today. Mark says, Catherine Austin Fitz and John Titus have been documenting the financial aspect of the scam for some time now. Says Mark. Thank you, Mark. Craig says, did anyone notice amidst Van Tam's waffle, he missed out reference to the beta variant? I didn't notice that, Craig, but uh, that is interesting. Maybe there is some significance to that, maybe. Van Tam, huh? Van Tam. Lovely. Lovely. Good evening to Angela, who says John Waters is a fantastic human being. He's a lovely bloke, is John. And he's a very, very, very articulate bloke. And he writes so well, too. So he does. Gaz says, for me, the legal system is to be avoided completely. The governments are full of barristers, and I don't think any judge is going to be able to go against the government. It's a fair point, Gaz. I would be a hypocrite if I, if I was to go after that uh, comment. I hear you, but I also understand why John and Gemma O'Doherty are doing what it is they are doing. And I also think it's not insignificant that the Irish Supreme Court has said, no, uh, the High Court was wrong to not give you leave to appeal the legality of the Irish government's lockdowns. So look, you never know. You never know. Good luck to him. You never bloody know. Of course, John made one very important point. The Irish media will not cover it. They will not get so much as a mention in the Irish press. It's a significant thing, you know, the Supreme Court saying that the High Court was wrong. As far as I know, nobody in Irish media has touched it. But I stand to be corrected, and if I am wrong, I will correct myself and apologise to whichever Irish newspapers did in fact mention John and Gemma O'Doherty, but I, I, I don't believe they will have mentioned them. <coughs> Excuse me. Lovely. Katie says, where's the safety data on the three-month gap between the jabs so that you can give informed consent? It's a great question, Katie. There is none. This is, this is beyond arbitrary, this changing of the rules. Well, we'll change the, uh, the, the, the time period between jab one and jab two. We'll change that. We'll reduce that gap uh, to help fight the new variant. You're absolutely right, Katie. It's fucking crazy. And of course, the media should have been all over that. Demanding. Where are you getting this idea that you can just reduce the gap? You told us it was important that there was a five-week gap or whatever it was, six-week gap. What, where are you now saying you can just reduce that gap at the stroke of a pen? But the media is useless. Lost with all hands. Garbage. It really is. Dreadful. Imagine listening to Van Tam go on and on about football today and not rip his bollocks off. Never been a tough talker, me. I've never been a grandstander. You know that. You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be here otherwise. But, but you, know what I, you know who I am. Can you imagine what I would have done to Van Tam today if I'd been lucky enough to be in that room? On live telly. Patricia says, Richie, the diarrhoea, also known as bullshit coming out of the mouths of these morons, is getting more and more desperate. They will stop at nothing to get the jabs into people, which is exactly the reason people with a brain will most definitely not give in 
to the obvious pressure and lies. You're bang on, Patricia. For the moment, people talk about depopulation. Yes, absolutely, of course. Right now, everything that's happening now is to get those jabs into people. Whether some of them are saline solution, whether a percentage of them are, you know, the, the graphene stuff, I don't know, but I'm open-minded to all of that. But right now, they want to browbeat everybody into taking the jabs. Because the jabs are here to stay. Not just jabs for COVID variants, but jabs for everything. You know, the, the preemptive strike healthcare system. Giving people jabs to prevent them from becoming ill. So that, so, so that they won't be a burden on their national health services. I've talked about this till, till I was blue in the face. Over and over and over again. That's what it's all about. Condition them into accepting a life filled with regular trips to be jabbed for this or that or t'other. That's the way it is. Thanks, John Waters, uh, for, for today. I really appreciate that. Johnwaters.substack.com. You've been listening to Monday's Richie Allen radio show live from Salford, the dirty old town. It's a great old town. Closing out with Rod Stewart. Join me again tomorrow on Tuesday at 5 o'clock UK time. Until then, you take care of yourselves and one another. Bye now.